I am Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source, and today I am flying solo without my co-pilot, Nicole, uh, and I have in the studio with me Tammy Bainey. Tammy, thank you for being here. Thank you for the invite. So Tammy is the executive director of the Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council, our region's council of governments. Prior to joining COIC, Bainey served 12 years in elected office as a Deschutes County Commissioner. Ms. Bainey has served in a number of statewide capacities. She was appointed by Governor Kulingowski and Brown to serve two terms on the Oregon Housing Stability Council, which directs the state's affordable housing agency. In 2013, Oregon legislative leadership and Governor Kitzhaber tapped Ms. Bainey to lead the task force on the modernization of public health. This work led to the reconstruction and strengthening of the public health system in the state of Oregon. Her knowledge and experience in connecting systems reform and health can Outcomes led to the appointment by another governor, Governor Kitzhaber, and Brown to serve eight years as a member of the Oregon Transportation Commission, four of those as the chair. Ms. Bainey has put her passion for healthy communities and families into practice as a founding member of the Central Oregon Health Council, which works to improve the health outcomes in our region. The Oregon Business Association recognized her as an Oregon Statesman of the Year for her work in this area. Ms. Bainey serves as a board member with the Central Oregon Film Office and Bethlehem Inn. She is vice chair of SAFE, Oregon's not-for-profit workers' comp insurance company, chair of Oregon Habitat for Humanity and the Central Oregon Health Council. She is a past foster parent, a founding member of the Family Access Network Foundation, and she is a fierce competitor in the annual Lapine Lawnmower Races. Tammy, slow down. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, there's a tutu and wings. It gives me extra lift. That is uh, quite a long list of accommodations and a lot of government, a governor uh, taps. Yes, yes. Maybe, uh, yes. I love serving. So I think if we just have that as the starting point, um, and I have a difficult time saying no so that uh but it's all don't say that on the air (laughs) (laughs) you'll get more there'll be more fingers reaching Uh, yes hey how about this what about that um it's all interconnected though it's all about serving community and it's important that we have a voice that um from central oregon in other parts of the state talking about the great things that we're doing but also learning from others around the state too yeah that's great um so I you, here today because I wanted to learn more about COIC and your role there. I mean, you've been there for how long now? About four and a half years. Or, yeah. yeah, four and a half, yeah. I remember when you took it over, there was a lot of work to be done um, it, it, within that organization, and it's changed quite a bit under your leadership. What do you? What are things that you wish? I mean, COIC is one of those acronyms, you know, Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council. You know, it's it's an umbrella organization. It's in, you know, People in politics and in government, reporters, they know the organization, but I think the general public would not know as much about right. what you guys do. But and Maybe you can say, what are the things that you wish people knew about COIC? Well, what's cool about COIC is that we are a council of governments, and there are councils of governments all across the United States. And Central Oregon Intergovernmental Council doesn't really roll off the tongue, and so it's. <laughs> uh, and many people have said, you need to rebrand. <laughs> but the cool thing about us is that we're entirely grant and contract funded, so you're not going to find us on your tax bill. And right. we exist to help local government be more efficient, leverage resources, solve sticky issues, get ahead of issues. Um, we really are a resource for local government. Our members are the cities and counties within Crook, Deschutes, and Jefferson. And then we also, um, as of 2018, official members um, with uh, the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs. And so... It's such a large reach. It I mean, sure it, and, is. and when you think about the number of politicians and, 
changing electors and stuff. I mean, that's got to be a lot of balls to keep in the air as you're trying to move these groups forward or bring them into some consensus. Yes. And so the one thing that outside of that we exist to assist local government is that we also have an incredibly talented, service-oriented group of individuals that make up the staff at COIC. And so they believe in the service that we provide. We get to serve the region. And we get to actually leverage the resources in Jefferson County doing something really cool in Madras and share that within Prineville and learn from one another. Or maybe there's something in Prineville that Bend is learning. And so um, we operate five sort of core areas. Those at councils of governments will look different in every area of the United States. For us, we have uh, we provide transit, so uh, the buses are us. Yep. We also provide probably your um, most visible. Probably yes. Yeah. 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 I know that. Yep. That's usually what people say. Oh, they they're the bus people. Right. Exactly. Right. And so, or someone might say, Oh, well, my child actually went to COIC and finished their high school diploma. Right. And so, we also have alternative education high yeah. schools that we operate, and we provide uh, credit recovery, GED uh, diplomas. We are in partnership with the school district, entirely referral. And then we also have youth employment and training. And so maybe that youth needs a paycheck and they need some mentoring and a um, just an opportunity to both get their education and um, some opportunity within the workforce. And so we match up with businesses and internships. And so we get to do that really cool part. Um, another thing about our organization is that we are also a, an economic development district. So getting back to the efficiencies right. piece, some regions have um, economic development districts that are a standalone organization. Sure. And so the roll up of all of that cost, right. we have it blended into COIC. And so we leverage that, too. Um, so Scott Acock with his he's our economic development um, okay. d- yeah. uh, director. And so they do a lot of outward uh, community vision, vis- uh, visioning process, or maybe it's should we dread Mirror Pond? We get a call, and you know, will you come and convene That's a conversation? That's your job. That's a problem. Well, so it's we, still we ongoing. Need, I'd love right. to tell you that it's. <laughs> I keep saying a backhoe and a bottle of yeah, wine. We can figure that right. out. So, um, so that economic development piece is pretty big. Under that, also, we have a small business loan program, okay. and then. Uh, last but not least, we have an adult employment and training group that also work alongside individuals that need to get skilled up. Maybe they're underemployed, doing some great things, outreach um, to the um, Deer Ridge Correctional yeah. Facility and also working with our shelters. Wow. Many people are working, and yeah. they just need a little extra help. So, how many how many people are under the COIC umbrella employees? One hundred and twenty-five. Wow! And then we have contract employees as well. So the uh, Bend Transit System is entirely contract employees. How how large was the organization four and a half years ago? So it was. Uh, we let's see, probably around the same. Okay. So we dissolved a department. And then we grew again. Okay. The great thing about the dissolution of that department is that we were able to um, re- we were able to put people into new positions, right. and so um, that's never a good thing. But holding on to things that the community doesn't need is not good either. <laughs> and so, um, so with that transition, right. we're about at the same. The growth for us, we'd love to be larger on the transit side. So yeah. if you have a CDL, please, <laughs> please <laughs> call me up. Um, you know, it's an important part to the mix of service within the right. region. But so we're we're experiencing the same workforce or workforce shortages, if you will, too. 
it it feels like an organization like yours, especially with the region is booming, like how can you possibly keep up? I mean, Bend is obviously growing. You look at Redmond, but I mean, all of those communities are seeing incredible growth, which also means more political appointees, more political pressure. I mean, your services have probably never been more valued. I think we are being I, at uh, CYC people will say, well, we're going to get blessed with opportunity again today, aren't we, Tammy? <laughs> right. And so uh, there is a bit of a sigh in that only because a lot of the challenges that come to local government don't also arrive with funding to be able to solve right. it. And so one of the areas that we really shine in is being able to create a space that's inclusive to where we can bring partners or even those that, you know, maybe have some disagreement together, right. identify what the goals are, and then actually seek to find the solution. Maybe that's grant funding. Maybe that's just alignment of current mm -hmm. resources. Maybe they already know the answer, but they just had maybe a yeah. personality challenge or something. So there's a lot of time spent doing that. But then we also, so for example, many of the local governments are required to do different planning efforts. And they're very duplicative across a, a region. Right. So broadband needs. So right. we hear about a broadband needs assessment opportunity. We know there are broadband challenges in a lot of parts of Central Oregon. And so our team will go to local government, our partners, and say, hey, would you like us to seek out these funds, convene a table, figure out how we do the appropriate planning right. so that when the funding is available, you're ready. You use the plan. Right. Lo and behold, the funding's now available, and so all that planning's been done, and now Central Oregon is at the uh, ready to receive state or federal funding. So not real sexy, but it's an important piece to making sure that there's an efficiency there and alignment. No, I mean, speaking specifically to the broadband, I remember when we first started this podcast and we were talking to educators and people where everybody was, you know, at home, and all of a sudden they all needed broadband, not from the school, but from their residences. Right. And the, it was really obvious the gaps between the haves and the have-nots, the urban and the rural. And um, I can imagine that is would, would crop up as an identified need. Yes, we saw that too. We were taking the paper studies out to students because we were given the funding to be able to provide hotspots, but if you don't have access to broadband, right. it won't matter how hot the spot is. <laughs> and so we saw that just internally, but also there's a lot of um, opportunity for funding that's available that goes untapped if a region isn't prepared to do the appropriate and, and necessary planning. So it's an area that we really try to lean in. Uh, being grant and contract funded, we don't get into things that someone else isn't wanting us to do. Right. We don't have limit. Yeah. We don't have resources that, um, which is great. I think. Yeah, it takes a little bit of the politics out of it. It sure does. Yeah. And so, one of the things that I often tell people is that our currency is that ability to be neutral. Our, and maybe not entirely neutral. I mean, we clearly have opinions and thoughts and want to guide good governance. Mm. But our job is to really help facilitate those solutions and those pathways, not necessarily define what the end result is supposed to be. Right. That's the community's voice. Well, to into that, I would think that as the region's grown, I mean, we've certainly have seen on a on a real level the rural-urban divide. Some of these, um, I mean, as much as you guys are neutral, you're still bridging political gaps you're to, you're still trying to bring people to consensus and um 
And that seems to be for our time such a um, such a very real situation that really falls onto the desk of COIC as you try to wrangle these funds and disperse them equally and with well-intentioned, you know, people on both sides. Yeah, it makes it, you know, for the person who's doing the work, they obviously have a thought about how they'd like to see things work out. And so coaching and mentoring a team to be in that space of allowing the community to do what is best for them, not necessarily what they as an individual might want to see as the outcome. Right Right there, there are some inherent challenges. (laughs) And so getting the right individuals that want to be a part of a team that do this work is really, so again, exceptional talent that we have and and really caring people that want to see good outcomes. But our job isn't to uh, mend the fence it's to provide the tools. Right. It's to actually be identifying the shared goals, homelessness, and the unhoused crisis that we are currently experiencing and have been experiencing for decades, really, is probably at the forefront of the work that we're currently doing. And if it were simple and easy, it would have already you know, been achieved. Absolutely. But, um, you know, those sticky challenges, uh, you know, we try our very best to remain in that space of being objective and um, allowing for spirited dialogue, but one that also includes solutions. Yeah, I mean, homelessness seems like that would be a perfect example of what I was talking about, about different people's visions for how you solve a problem like that. They're as varied as individuals. I, you know, I mean, certainly we read enough social media within the source mm-hmm. and look at like what people are saying both times. Sometimes I'm horrified, of course, at, at, at what I read. And other times I'm like, well, that is very confusing. I can't imagine in your position as someone, I mean, you're, you got tapped by the governor for what was it? Eight order 2302 yes. for funding. And now that just puts you right in the middle of trying to solve that problem. Sure. Uh, Or not. (laughs) We're in the driver's seat to actually make sure everyone gets on the bus maybe is a better, um, you know, I I tend to be a little visual. Yeah. Uh, So the reason that COIC was tapped for that is because we are the support and sponsor for the Homeless Leadership Coalition, which the HLC is not a nonprofit by design. They're a group of really uh, talented, knowledgeable volunteers that are comprised of a number of service providers in the region. And they come together and provide the governance structure over what's called the continuum of care. That's a HUD designation. They're required to do certain things. You might know of the point in time count. That's them. You might know there's regional planning. We have a document called the High Desert Home. Um, They're required to do a lot of that sort of stuff. HMIS, which is the Homeless Management Information System. And so they needed... An, an organization, you know, some sort of organization that's going to be able to say, we gotcha. Yeah. We'll provide, you know, the the staffing, we'll do the reporting, we'll make sure that you're fulfilling all those obligations. And oh, by the way, we'll help to sort of align some of the efforts that are going on in the region too. And sure. Let's just make sure we're not duplicating. Yeah. And so I didn't imply you were going to solve homelessness. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, yeah, yes. For anyone listening, we, I, I wish I had the answer. Here it is right here in my right, notebook. Right, right. Uh, but what we get to do is support an organization to achieve their goals and their mission. And so that $13.9 million that we were able to negotiate with the governor's office um, will be really leveraged in a meaningful way because of the alignment that um, our region has worked hard at, at providing. Well, we uh, 
for listeners, we had an opportunity. I was the moderator, and, and Tammy was one of the speakers for the City Club Forum on homelessness. And one of the things that struck me during that presentation and the research that went into it is how many service providers there are, how many organizations are out there willing to help, looking to help, different philosophies on how you help. Um, I'm, the graph went up. There were so many circles, and, and those are all the people that you're working with and trying to guide them to the funding light. Yes, we are really fortunate to have a number of organizations that are wanting to do this work and have been for years. Many might say, well, that's duplication because look at all the people that are doing outreach or look at all the people that are right. doing um, you know, providing food or rental assistance. No different than you walk into a room of 50 people, they all have 50 different needs. Right, and so right. it's being the right service at the right time for the person that's in need or the, or the household. And so the providers do look at duplication. They, we don't have enough resources for six people to be going to the same person providing the same thing. <laughs> right. So you can bet that they're... Yeah. Um, and with that funding that came from the executive order from the governor's office, created a 24-member multi-agency coordination group. And in that group, those discussions, and that's led by COIC, mm -hmm. uh, alongside the Homeless Leadership Coalition, they're required to be talking about that. And so who's going to be doing the outreach? Who's going to be providing um, certain case management? And so there's a lot of that synergy that goes on. And I would say that, yes, there are similar programs and similar efforts, but we also have a growing crisis. So right, sure. there's a lot of discussion that goes on. And, and um, you know, what there, there is, there's low barrier, there's high barrier, there's, um, you know, people in encampments, there's people in hotels. It's all a different outreach. It's mm -hmm. a different service, if you will, yeah. in order to be able to meet those needs too. And one of the things I think, again, that's interesting about, I mean, this problem is not a city problem. It's not a county problem. And, you know, I, I do think that a lot of, and, and fault, you know, ourselves and media coverage of, you know, focusing on efforts that the city's doing, or, you know, this is a, this is something that the county's doing. And the, the problem is so regional and the fine and the, and the solutions are regional. The pe people don't, you know, they're not rooted in one place. It's, you know, they need services delivered. And I think that's another interesting thing about the governor's order and it coming down to COIC is that the solution, if I'm, I understand it correctly, is that you're pulling in all of these organizations to talk about how they can function more efficiently and with better funding. Yes, and we also try to play to the uniqueness of each community. A solution or a need yeah. in Lapine is not the same as a solution and the need in Prineville. And so it's not up to us to determine what that is. It's to find the way that we complement what their needs are. So the um, investment that we're making in the Prineville or Crook County area is vastly different than the investments that we're making in Bend. And we do it. That is another cool part about CYC right. is we're sort of on an island in Central Oregon. We've got, we have three counties, and people live or work in one or the other. Many, many people um, come in, and migration into Bend is significant. And so, um, you know, how are we serving people in the community in which they call home right. versus serving them in the community in which they call work? Huh. And that's a, um, something that we, whether that's in healthcare or whether that's in, um, you know, education or whether that's in workforce, it's it's how are we serving and complementing people in their own personal lives, too. So 
Where where are we on the trajectory of Order Twenty Three Hundred Two? I mean, when we when the new governor came in and and she set this up and there was momentum and and the funding's coming. I remember we were at the um, forum and it was like, here comes Cinderella in the coach and it's got to happen before <laughs> the before she becomes a pumpkin. Um, where bring bring listeners up to date on like where are we with that sure so our region received about 1.3 million for prevention so individuals that might be back on rent or whatnot that went to neighbor impact and then we negotiated 13.9 million that will go to two goals Um, the executive order was established on january 10th and so between january 10th and uh of 2023 and january 10th of 2024 we are um challenged to and taken up the task to increase our shelter bed capacity by 111 shelter beds okay and uh, rapidly rehouse 161 households wow to some people that may sound like wow 161 households we have 200,000 people in this area that's not a whole lot well if we could house 10 tomorrow we we would really be in a bit of shock the last time we looked, the rental vacancy rate is, um, y- you know, near zero. It's, y- you know, around right. 1%. Uh, individuals that might have some subsidized housing uh, vouchers or whatnot, being able to um, have units available is, um, you know, it, right. almost, in, you know, non-existent. And then, of course, um, shelter beds. We know that individuals um, going directly from an encampment into housing or whatnot may not be for everyone. And so um, I'm happy to tell you, though, that we so far have about 66 of our shelter beds. Wow. And so yeah. that is pretty exciting. And then so far we have 31 of the roughly around 31 of the households that have been rehoused so yeah. far. So um, we are making headway. But <laughs> what we're also doing is what's really great in the conversations is that we are capturing what's being done that people that some of our service providers didn't recognize was actually helping to achieve the goal. So we might have a provider that's been able to rehouse four households, and they're thinking, well, that probably doesn't matter because we need 161. Oh, my gosh, it matters. One matters. That's a household that now has hope and opportunity. So there's a lot of excitement, if you will, in a really challenging um, space of, we can do this. How do you allocate? So does the funding, the 13 million that you've got, is it go out over the over the course of that year? Is it right now? I mean, how do people access those funds? It's a great question. And then the next question should probably be what happens on January 11th of 2024? Right. Well, I know that's the pumpkin <laughs> day, so I know it's probably going to yes, happen. Yes, well, uh, everything in, in our world at CYC we see as maybe a negotiation. So yeah. we've been really working hard at getting the state to um, complement our needs with right. their um, allowances of being able to use the funding. And so what we started with in January looks vastly different to what we can do today. Yeah. And so um, we are we had a grant process, and that was a public announcement of mm-hmm. grant opportunity. We had a small grant committee that then looked over the grants and made a recommendation to the MAC group, the multi-agency right. coordination group. And then that group made, um, through a recommendation of us, we at COIC, we, uh, that group is able to approve the projects, phase one, two, and three. We are now in phase three. We have just under a million dollars left. And we could we have a few projects that may not go forward. Again, mm-hmm. the timeline's aggressive. Right. If you need to build something, 
there's no way you get through the planning process in that right. timeline. If you need to acquire something and then renovate, really risky too. Right. Um, so we received 3.6 million before uh, July 1 that we could actually have access to of the 13.9. The remainder of the funding is all reimbursement. Oh, okay. So we as an organization, again, if that had just been HLC, the Homeless Leadership Coalition, as a group of well-intended volunteers saying, <laughs> we need to back these projects right. and be able to front some of the funding, it, it, it just would not have been a recipe for yeah. success. So um, another sort of blessing to have the ability yeah. to be that organization for them. How much do you coordinate with the other organizations around the state who are receiving these funds? I mean, how much are you guys talking about the pressures of, you know, the clock ticking and midnight coming? Yes. Well, what's really great is uh, for those that have worked with the state, they actually were re uh, recommending that the MAC meet month or meet weekly versus monthly. And wow. we're talking about service providers that are also going out into the camps and they're yeah, writing the grant right. and they're, you know, getting the whatever it is, gas in the car. Sure. Um, so we're meeting monthly, but the yeah. state is uh, providing a number of opportunities for us to check in in a variety of ways, whether that's just talking about the prevention goals, just talking mm. about the rehousing goals, uh, reporting what dashboards we're going to use so the public yeah. can have a chance to see where the dollars are being spent. All of that will be rolling out in August. But we come together as MAC leaders once right. a month and talk about who's doing what. Yeah. Um, and in the competitive spirit that we have here in Central Oregon, too, I'm proud to say that we are at the same or a little bit ahead of the other communities, too, great, So, great. Um, in terms of meeting our goals. So yeah. I, I know that we will exceed, if everything comes through, um, all the projects are able to be successful, we will exceed our sh shelter goal by about 90 beds, which wow. is exceptional given yeah. that our goal was 111. Yeah. And we will exceed, and I'm not sure by how many, even if it's one would be great, <laughs> the uh, households yeah. rehoused. I mean, given, given, I mean, I remember, you know, of course, Tina came in uh, with with this as her number one priority and, and to her credit immediately set out to make good on that promise. But but with that high level of, you know, um, I don't want to say scrutiny, but pressure, how much of this, uh, you know, this was a new thing for your organization. How much of your time is that, it, uh, does it occupy now? Hiring staff for one year is not yeah. a good idea. Right. And so we are using our existing team to be able to accomplish all that we can. So for me, one of the things that I personally like to do is find solutions to sticky problems. And this happens to be a pretty good one. <laughs> um, so it's not that we have the bandwidth to take it on, but we don't have the option for our region to, to say it. no. Sure. So a lot of it is me investing the time yeah. to lead the team and Ultimately, at some point, we'll be able to bring on the staff and be able to. Yeah. Um, the other part is running any business without certainty of how much funding is coming, for how long, for what use. Right. Um, I remember that being the challenge of these funds is that, the, you know, the partner organizations were like, yeah, you love the money when it comes in, but you can't tell somebody you're going to bring them on and then lay them off. And right. you can't get the program going and then abandon it. Um so so yeah. we have a lot more certainty now. So yeah. the legislature, and thank you to all of our local delegation and folks that have been working really hard, 
We now have funding for the next biennium, so we will have funding Great. through 2025. And not to the same level. We don't know what our number numbers will be. We don't know what the restrictions will be. We don't know be. that if you're, it's going to be 90 or 60 more exactly people. Exactly right. right. I don't know where the area is yeah. for us to begin the negotiation. <laughs> but uh, we do know that there will be ongoing funding for a lot of the investments that we are making. And that is a great thing because I, you know, no one wants to see that we just do a one and done and um, there's shelter beds until January and then they can't operate. Right, so right. Um, we want to see these investments be as long term as possible. So um, we staff up when it's appropriate. We have an incredible team that really can kind of pivot. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is being nimble. We right. are nimble as an organization. And we want to be because the challenges are not going to be linear and we need to be able to accommodate where we can. Well, it just seems like with the way the region's booming that uh, you'll be a much, much bigger, nimble person in the future because <laughs> I can't see fewer of these opportunities coming down. And um, certainly these as as Bend and Central Oregon becomes larger and on more of political radars and, and the need for conciliatory conversations and 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 frankly the allocation of funding um i mean coic's got to play a bigger role in that i would think you know one of the recent conversations that has come up that some of the listeners may know of is the coordinated houseless response right, office right. and the formal request to coic to explore the idea of bringing that under our umbrella as right. well and the mental gymnastics that goes on with a, a you know a question such right. as that is you know, is it within our mission? Yes. Is it something that we have capacity for? We could bring that on. Yes. Is it, um, will it actually um, benefit the yeah. region in the way that it would make uh, that they're asking? And the answer is probably. So yeah. um, those opportunities do seem to continue to come our direction. But there have been a few times where we're not the right organization, but we know who might be. Right. So again, we try to then make that connection and say, you know, this really probably sits better with this organization. Let us make a, make an introduction there. Well, I remember one of the things that came up again in that City Club forum regarding homelessness was that the coordinated office was really um, somewhat constrained, not regional in focus, and that they were tackling projects that as they got deeper in were immediately going to like, well, what about Jefferson, you know, County? What about some of these rural areas? And and doing the best they can for their area, but tackling a problem that was really more like we've discussed here under more of a COIC realm. Yes. So again, we we are not the content knowledge keepers. Right. We are the ones that try to be the support that get the thing done. And so in that regard, it allows us an opportunity to align efforts. So the Coordinated Houseless Response Office is le legislatively driven, and it's a pilot. It's been funded mm -hmm. with very restricted funding. They are not uh, able to use that funding in a regional way. But what we might be able to do at COIC is leverage our other resources. And so when they're talking about strategic planning, sure. we can create that as a chapter in the overall larger Central Oregon strategy. Right. And so that we're not duplicating and we're not leaving out. And that um, allows us to also honor communities like sisters. What are their needs right. overall in our entire region? Mm -hmm. And so it uh, allows us to really 
um, I think, leverage that and um, make good use of that intellectual capital, if you will. Right. Uh, and so for the Coordinated Houseless Response Office, Bend is the largest community to shoots is. Right. But there are some things that could be learned from the pilot that they are um, operating under. And so um, similar to the HLC, if it did come to us, it'd be a dotted line from us. Our board right. doesn't govern them. Right. Um, but that, you know, we would provide staff and probably blend that staff so sure. that it's, um, you know, we're making good use of people's time. And so yet to be determined, but I think that there's probably a lot of synergy in that. Well, Tammy, I could I could delve into your five pillars and keep talking to you all day. But uh, is there anything that you want to bring up that uh, maybe we didn't touch on today? Well, I would just encourage the community to check out our website, cyc.org. The you know we are a resource to the community, whether that's employment, education, whether that's just a challenge that a community, even an HOA, that might have. Um, you know, we're right, here to serve, right. and we don't just serve local government. We're here as part of the community too. So. Um, it's it's really um, it's we're grateful to be able to do that. Thanks for taking the time ah, to be with us today. Thank you. Thanks for the interest.